if what we fundamentally believe about ourselves is that we're worthless or unlovable, all these beliefs that we each hold to some degree, and this reflects the impact of adversity on our development. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Okay, you guys, I am so excited about today's episode. Today, we have a therapist and my new friend, Molly LaCroix on. Molly is literally the real deal. She knows her stuff. And you guys, she has such a heart to help people. You guys are going to love her depth of insight, her biblical knowledge, her wisdom, her experience, her hope. She's just, she's really a kind, kind-hearted woman. In today's episode, you guys, we talk about adverse childhood experience a bit. And if you're wondering if your childhood still affects you, the answer is yes. (laughs) Some of us still struggle to make sense of it. I totally know. And you guys know I'm all about helping us find different ways and to find deeper healing and even hope within our struggles and our painful histories and just life in general. And I know that we've talked about different types of mental health therapy, like cognitive therapy. We've talked about EMDR therapy. You guys, we are such complex beings. And all of these therapies, they're just there as like another view, another window into what's going on inside of us to help us be empowered and to find some inner healing with Jesus. You guys, we are such complex beings. And you guys, there really are so many different helpful tools and healing modalities out there to help us find deep and lasting healing from these hard things that we've experienced in our life. So don't lose hope. All of these kind of helpful episodes around therapy are just there to give you hope and a little glimpse into some other options for you. Molly actually specializes in IFS therapy, which stands for Internal Family Systems Therapy. And we'll get into it more in the episode and how it all works and the details. And you guys, like I said, Jesus uses so many different tools in life. He's used so many different tools in my life to bring more healing to my soul. And this whole IFS therapy, I'll be honest with you, it's super new to me. But as I've read about it and I've read Molly's book and chatted with Molly more, I can really see the huge benefits of utilizing these tools. And she'll go into more detail, like I said, in the episode. But let me tell you a little bit about Molly, and then we'll dive in. So Molly's a licensed marriage and family therapist with a practice in Oregon. She received her master's degree in marriage and family therapy from Bethel Seminary in San Diego and returned to Bethel as an adjunct professor in the MFT program, marriage family therapy program. Molly's married with a beautiful family and has grandkids. You guys, she's just a fantastic woman who loves Jesus and loves helping others. She also wrote a book called Restoring Relationship, Transforming Fear into Love Through Connection. And I really enjoyed reading this book, and I think you will too. So I'm actually going to give three copies away. So if you're interested, please email me at hello at dannysumner.com to be entered into the raffle. The link will be in the show notes, but my email address again is hello at Danny, D-A-N-I, Sumner, S-U-M-N-E-R.com to be entered in the raffle. We'll draw names on May 20th and let you know via email if you won, and we'll have it shipped to you right away. So again, to be entered into the raffle, just drop into my inbox at hello at dannysumner.com and just put in the subject Molly's book and you're in. Easy peasy. Okay, in the show notes as well, I'll have links to Molly's website and her socials. You guys, I'm so grateful you're here. I just, no matter what you're going through, I want you to know that you're not alone and that there's 
so many resources and helpful tools out there to help you find inner healing and hope and joy and all everything that Jesus wants to give you on this planet. It doesn't mean you're going to be teleported or transported out of your history or out of your current circumstances, but there really are so many tools that I believe Jesus has really ushered into into society in this hour to help us and to grow us as human beings into more and more truly of who we were created to be. Enjoy the episode. Enjoy Molly. Like I said, she's wonderful. And I think you're really going to enjoy her today. And I'll be in touch in a few days. Welcome to a Holy Mess podcast. All right, my friends, we all know life can be so difficult and painful at times, especially when we're carrying grief or loss or wrestling with shame about our past, anxiety about our future, or frankly, like we are just not enough. But there has to be so much more for us. There is hope and joy, peace, love, fun, purpose, and a reason that you, my friend, are on this planet. Let's partner with God so you can be who he created you to be as you wrestle through and trudge through your mess. Hi, I'm Danny, a recovering alcoholic, a mom, a wife, a mentor, and dust. We are only here for a moment. Let's live like it. I'm just like you. I'm a holy mess most days. Actually, every day. Let's have some fun and laugh while trudging through our mess. This stuff doesn't need to be dry and boring. Let's dig in. Well, Molly, I'm so excited to have you on the show. You have no idea. I'm so grateful. So you guys don't know the story, but we had tried to record this two weeks ago and there was like a rainstorm here and my Wi-Fi went out like 27 times. We had literally the best conversation that's not recorded in the history of humanity. So Molly's amazing. So you guys are in for a treat today. But Molly, so thank you for your patience with my Wi-Fi and everything else. I'm reading your book right now. This internal family systems thing is fascinating to me. And I know last time we had talked, you had kind of simplified it for me because I'm not super familiar with IFS or internal family systems. So for the listeners, could you assume that we know nothing about IFS therapy, internal family systems therapy, and can you just kind of dumb it down for us, so to speak, and explain it for us? Absolutely. I'll give you the 30,000 foot view. Love it. This is a secular psychotherapy model. For those of your listeners who might be interested, it's what we call evidence-based, meaning the gold standard of research, randomized controlled clinical studies have been done to show the efficacy. So, and it has become a very popular model of psychotherapy. As with all of these research-based models, it's secular. And so I came to this model at a time when I'd been working, I specialize in treating trauma and the what I call the impact of adversity, which a lot of us won't say we've experienced trauma, but we've all experienced adversity. And so I came to this model having worked in this arena, having gotten my master's at a seminary, always integrating theology, doctrine with these secular models, and not only saw that this is a wonderfully robust way to approach healing, it also integrates with Christian spirituality really, really well. And one of those, the reasons that it, it does is this secular scientist came up with this name, Internal Family Systems, because he was trained in working with external families. So he has his PhD in marriage and family therapy. I have my master's in marriage and family therapy. 
and we study systems theories so that we can understand the interplay of different people in the system, the dynamics, the relationships. And he realized as he was working with clients and just had this open curiosity that what he was hearing, he was hearing people talk about parts of themselves. And he just kind of went with it and began speaking to these people's parts and realizing, oh, there are persons within the person. And the term we use for that is multiplicity. And what interests me, so right off the bat, when you think about Christian spirituality, we worship a triune God. And scripture tells us we're created in the image of God. So just as God is multiple, now the multiplicity doesn't line up exactly because we know that the triune God is one and all are equal. But the idea of multiplicity being true for us intrigued me. And we also have Paul saying in Romans 7.15, and I'm gonna, I'm not gonna get the verse exactly right, but he essentially says, he's expressing his frustration over doing what he doesn't want to do and hating what he does. And you can feel the internal conflict. And we all know that to be true of ourselves. We all feel the internal conflict of wanting to do one thing, but doing something else, or having a dilemma of maybe I should do this, but no, I'm afraid if I do that, then this won't go well. And, you know, we're constantly noticing an internal tug of war. And so it just made sense to me that this idea of multiplicity seemed to square with our, you know, a Christian worldview. And then the more I got into it, the more that I saw that fundamentally this model is all about relationships. And I see it as very congruent with the great commandment as the vision for our lives. And I believe God gave us that vision because that is the path to healing. So when we have strong relationships with God, others, and ourselves, that is the kind of integration we're looking for in our healing journey. And so I see building relationships with these parts of ourselves as, as helping us live out the great commandment. Amen. I love that. Well, there's another piece of the model that's key that we need to talk about. But if you have any questions or you want to... Gosh, there's so much. I put three different breakaways for us to go down, like rabbit trails to go down. So first of all, you said the great commandment, which I think in Christian culture, we miss so much of the time. I think the world takes better care of themselves than we as Christians take care of ourselves, which is fascinating to me. I mean, we get, you know, the pursuit to love God, you know, we sacrifice to the death of ourselves. And then sometimes, usually after a nervous breakdown or something happens tragically, or it's just life's overwhelming, then we start to take care of ourselves, which it's so sad. I mean, it's just, I feel like the enemy or whatever has a foothold in that Christian culture of, you know, if you take care of yourself, you're you're selfish. Well, absolutely. And often you will hear people, it is more often than not, because I pay attention to it, I hear people talk about the great commandment as loving God and loving others. Well, you've just missed a big piece of 33% it. 33% of it. If what we fundamentally believe about ourselves is that we're worthless or unlovable, all these beliefs that we each hold to some degree, and this reflects the impact of adversity on our development, but we all hold these degree to some degree, and then that really is going to block our ability to have the kind of relationships with other people and with God that we're created for. 
that the Great Commitment encourages us toward. 100%. And so the one piece I want to be sure to be clear about that's, that was, is really profound about this model, and I think the most important point of integration with Christian spirituality, is that this, again, secular scientist discovered that no matter what someone's history was, that after he spoke to these different parts of people, and after they had healed some of what had provoked those parts and some of the burdens experiences had laid on their systems, then they would talk about compassion and curiosity and creativity and calm. And he'd say, well, what part is that? And they said, well, that's just me. And so over time, he recognized that there are healing resources in us. There is a leader of the internal family that, for lack of a better word, we call self. And that, to me, again, is the most profound reflection of the fact that we are created in God's image. If we bear God's image, and the point of bearing God's image was to represent God in the world, of course God gave us resources to use in doing that. And of course nothing could damage those resources. Now, the stuff that happens in life blocks them and constrains them. But what blew this person's mind, and his name is Dr. Richard Schwartz, what blew his mind was that no matter what had happened, they were still there. So there is this leader of the internal family. And that is in the process of therapy, in the process of IFS therapy, I as therapists help my clients unblend between the self and these other parts of the system. So there can be a relationship between the self and all these other parts. And we can talk about the different kinds of parts as we go along. So you guys, I just want to say right off the bat, I, some of you may have been familiar with multiple personality disorder or DID now they call it, right? So this is not what Molly's talking about. And Molly's not saying that there's, you know, we're spliced from ourselves and that there's different people living within us. Not at all. What she's saying, the way I'm understanding, and Molly interrupt me if I'm wrong, but is that we have different parts in our minds. Well, and I read in your book, were created to ultimately protect us from different things, right? And they were created in such a way, or how would I explain that? Yeah. So that gets into the different parts of the system. So the idea of multiplicity has been pathologized widely. And so this is not a reflection. We don't have parts of us because of pathology. We have parts of us because that's how God created us, in my view. And so when we think of nobody has much trouble with personality typologies that identify different attributes. And that's one way you can say, oh, well, you know, I have these different extroversion versus introversion or the degree of flexibility that, that people have varies, all kinds of different temperamental things that we notice. And that reflects these different parts of the system. In the ideal state, we have a leader of the system. And we have parts that bring wonderful qualities that make us uniquely individual. But life happens, and that results in two things. When some kind of adverse experience, which can be as extreme as trauma, happens to us, we can take on burdens. Burdens are things like painful emotions and distorted beliefs. They can be unpleasant images tension in our body. So we become burdened by adversity. And 
our system, one of the one of the beautiful ways God created us is is we have the ability to adapt to whatever happens to us. So a child who's in a home where for a variety of reasons parents aren't functioning in the way the child needs them to, one adaptation to that is the child might step up and act like a mini parent, especially if there are other children in the home. We call it parentification. So that's an adaptation to to an adverse circumstance. You know, children should have functioning caregivers. But when that's not the case, as is too often the case, children adapt in a variety of ways. Parentification is just one of those. So this ability to adapt to a threat is core in us as humans. And the parts of the system take on roles. So the adaptation means they take on a role to protect us. And so there are lots of protectors in our internal family. They want to protect us from threats. The threat they're mostly focused on is something that will trigger our pain and overwhelm us. If we have experienced something painful, we hold these burdens, then the protector's going to work to keep all that stuff buried. Some of the protectors work really hard to make sure it doesn't surface. Other kinds of protectors, whoops, it surfaced, what we call getting triggered. I'm flush with shame. I'm remembering something awful. I can't function. Another kind of protector will come in to numb that pain, distract me, take me out. I love it. So, I mean, for me, it's like all of these therapies, all of these healing modalities, it's just another way for me to figure myself out, to partner with the Holy Spirit, to find some healing, right? It's like I've done EMDR therapy. It's not magical, but oh my gosh, was it so powerful to have those tools to be able to look at myself as a little kid and to go back and be able to minister to those places, right? So I look at this IFS stuff as like, well, for me, I feel like it's, I don't want to say it's the missing piece, but oh my gosh, does it tie some things together for me? Because wow. first of all, I always say, well, part of me feels like, or part, uh-huh. because I'm never, even when I'm upset about something, it's always part of me is upset. The other part of me kind of understands where they're coming from. I can always kind of see the other view, you know, when I get in an argument with my husband, right? Like, Part of me is like, I'm frustrated. The other part is like, well, he has to live with me, right? And so I have deep understanding and empathy that that sort of thing. And so even with my kids, part of me is just so frustrated with some of the choices that they make or the other part of me knows they're 14 years old or they're 15 years old. They're kids. Like That's right. They're three years old. They're supposed to throw a temper tantrum, right? So I think just I when I read your book and I haven't finished it yet, but oh my gosh, it just it simplified it in such a way of, oh my gosh, like there really is this internal, we all have internal dialogue going on in our head. Yeah. And so to be able to label it, you know, therapy's language, right? So to be able to bring language to it and label it, that it's these different parts of me just is fascinating. And you guys, I've said for years, and Molly, I don't know if you know this, but on the podcast, I always talk about, I have this shitty committee in my head, (laughs) right? And so it's like this negative form of self-talk and now I'm like, oh my gosh, the shitty committee is like real. And there really is different parts of me. They're there for good reason. Like they were trying to defend me from like something that happened in childhood, but they just grew right. too much. Like they're just, now they don't know how to settle down because they're just always on defense or something. Yeah. So this is fascinating. Yeah. And, and Danny, you've named a couple of really key things in what you just described. One is that by recognizing, oh, that's a part of me 
what we call unblending. It's like putting a little distance or letting a beaker of water that has sediment in it, the sediment settles and what's left is this nice clear water. Well, what's left in our internal system when we unblend from parts of us is this self that has these healing qualities, that has one of which, which is a total superpower, is curiosity. Mm. So the unblending is the first step in this process that, you know, that I help people with to say, well, oh, now I can be curious about why this part of me is doing this thing that it's doing. And the next step is forming a relationship. When we have space for that curiosity, then we can connect and we can say, well, tell me more about why you're here right now. What do you need? How can I help you? And, and one of the things we do to discover the underlying wounds that provoke this part in the first place is, and what are you afraid would happen if you stop doing this? Because they are driven by fear, these protectors. They are very well-intentioned, but they will do whatever it takes <laughs> to deal with these threats. And sometimes that's very dysfunctional. And so that's why it's so important to bring curiosity and not judgment to say, ooh, you know, let's say someone's really struggling with some explosive anger. And you mentioned kids. Well, what parent hasn't yelled at their kids? <laughs> I just did about 30 minutes ago. <laughs> and, and of course, we're, you know, we get blended with a part of us that is just over it. I've told you 10 times not to do that thing. And we get blended and then we speak from this part of us that is just sometimes all the way to enraged. And of course, that does some damage. But if a part of us brings in the criticism and just judges that, does that change anything? No. So our goal is to bring this leader of the system to say, okay, I hear you, you critic, I get it. But how about if you let me talk to this one who's so angry? And when we can and we do that, we find out what's going on. Because if the anger, especially when our reactivity is disproportionate to the context, that's our big clue that it's probably loaded with something from the past. Now, if we get a little frustrated because our child is, I don't know, doing one of the million things they do that frustrate us, okay, we can probably parent them well despite being frustrated. But if our body is loaded up with anger and we're, we're getting to rage, it's probably not just about what that child is doing in the moment. Probably has a lot to do with our own history. And that's why a part of us is having this big reaction. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, and you talked about so many things I was thinking about like in meditation, right? Christian meditation. Mm -hmm. And I know some people are scared of meditation, like, oh, I'm going to lose all my thoughts and I'm going to disconnect from God. Or it's like, you guys, it's not meditation as you guys, I've talked about meditation before on the podcast, but it's becoming aware of like, oh, I've got some anger in me. Oh, what interesting. Like, I wonder why it's there. It's like you ask these questions in a curious way versus like, oh, I'm just an angry person or I just I have so much rage. It's like, well, hold on. Well, why are you there? Why am I angry? Right. It's about yeah. getting to the cause, not just blaming the symptom. So the symptom is anger or rage. Well, what's the cause of it? So this is where it's like with IFS, it's like this protector inside of me. I feel like it just puts all the pieces together. Yeah, I had that same feeling when I was first exposed to this model. 
And I, I had this feeling that this is the big, like, this is the big umbrella. <laughs> there are a lot of things under the umbrella that are helpful techniques and tools, but this is, this just brings a lens to our functioning that I found to be transformative. I mean, it's fascinating. I'm even thinking like, how does my internal family system relate to your internal family system? Do different parts of us get triggered by different people's parts? <laughs> we have this little saying that parts provoke parts and self provokes self. So the more self energy I bring in my relationships, the more likely I am to see that self energy in the people around me. We use that term self energy, and I want to clarify because sometimes terms like that can throw an audience off. But if we think of our emotions, emotions are energy. We feel them in our bodies. We feel them in our nervous systems. And we can feel the calm when self is leading. We can feel the difference between connection and disconnection. So if I use that term self-energy, that's what I'm talking about. It's sort of that energetic feeling in our bodies that we get totally. when we're led. And I believe this is being led in harmony with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah. So, And I know in Christian worldview, I, guys, I know, I get it, because I know a lot of us are sensitive to like energy, like, oh, it's new age. Now, hold on. Right. <laughs> like, it's a, you know, you, were, you talked about something, and I, I don't know what scripture, I'll have to find the scripture, but where it talks about, I think King David talks about our inner beings. So as you talk about self, I'm thinking, oh, myself must be my most inner being that's united with the Holy Spirit. That's right. Whatever terminology works for people, a lot of people talk about true self, but they also will talk about false self. That's a pretty common. And I tend to avoid the false self piece of it. I get what they mean. But in this model, we want to build relationships between the leader and all of these different parts of the system, because that is the road to healing. And if we start labeling some of them as bad or false, mm. that doesn't enhance relationship, right? That's probably another part of our system who doesn't like them, who's now gotten blended and has taken over leadership and you know feels frustrated or annoyed or even highly critical of the activity of a different part of the system. And that happens, just like it happens in our families, just like it happens in the workplace teams. Those kinds of inner conflicts exist within us. But self is the big referee, if you will, or the, the coach who can say, okay, you guys all have roles to play. You're all important. I'm going to talk with you. Then I'm going to talk with you. We're going to understand why everybody's here and what they're doing. And I love that. Help me understand. So the goal is not to get rid of these parts of us. The goal is to help understand and understand when we're triggered in a way of like, oh, you know, like if I'm triggered in a relationship and my husband, okay, so let's say I have to share something vulnerable with my husband, but inside I might freak out for a second because, you know, when I was a kid, trust was broken. So I have to like choose to know my husband's safe. He's never broken. Like, it's okay. It's safe. And so I'm talking to that part of myself that wants to put up a boundary. It says, Danny, no, no, people aren't safe. Even your husband, right. where it's like, he's never done anything to prove otherwise, but I'm still fighting these battles inside. We're just trying to understand ourselves more. Yeah. And that's the first step. And you even talked about starting with meditation. Med meditation builds awareness. And awareness, I often will say, is the first step in healing. 
when we have no awareness of what's going on inside ourselves, it's very difficult to move toward healing. So we gain awareness of these different parts of ourselves. In the example you use, that's really the step of unblending, of recognizing there's a part of me who doesn't trust my husband because this part of me is stuck in the past. And that's the case. Our parts get stuck in the time and place where the adverse events occurred. So they're stuck in the past, but you reference self with that current perspective, knowing the relationship, reassuring this younger part of you, hey, I get it, but he's safe. So let me connect with him. So that's the unblending and the relationship piece of it. It is all about transformation, ultimately, because beyond awareness and connection, then we can move to the process where we can actually help these parts of us stuck in the past unburden and release. And that happens primarily by allowing them the opportunity to tell their story to a compassionate witness, which is where I think of self and spirit together. So this creating a sacred space where these very vulnerable members of our internal family feel safe enough finally to tell it like it was, and then to be helped with a corrective process that really allows us, there's, there's neuroscience behind all of this, that really helps the brain reprocess. Just as EMDR, the R of EMDR is reprocessing, it's another modality that helps with the change in our memories. So it's not that we forget what happened, but the charge, the emotional charge that we've carried maybe for our whole life from something that happened is released from the system. So when that happens, not only are these vulnerable members of our internal family released from their burdens, the protectors who've been on the job because of the threat they pose can also go back to what they were originally meant to be. And so it ultimately is a means of transformation. Hello, my friend. If this episode blessed you, made you laugh, or triggered you, hey, that's growth. Please do me a favor and share this with a friend. And if you feel led, please leave a written review for the show. That really helps us out. Don't forget you are in good company if you're feeling more broken than you'd like to admit. And you are more loved than you can ever imagine. Have a great week. See you next time.